Hello and welcome back to Minor Crisis. I'm your host, Molly Holloman, and we're back this week with my lovely husband, J.P. Holloman. Yes, back again. Good to be here. Hi. Hi. I love you. I love you. I don't know why I'm so nervous. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because we the introduction video wasn't that long and we didn't have so much to talk about, but we have so much to talk about today. I know. So buckle the heck up. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary this week. Yes, we did. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. So we have been together for five years. We are 23 years old. We met when we were 18. And we'll jump into that a little bit later. But first, tell me about your childhood. So... It was a it was a pretty it was a pretty happy childhood. My parents said I was a happy baby growing up, even though I did um, cause a lot of issues unrelated to that. But I was very happy, and I was diagnosed with ADHD very young. That really impacted my childhood. But so were those? Was that like some of the issues you experienced? Yeah, that was probably the biggest hurdle I had to jump over in childhood. What was that like? So having ADHD is so annoying because you're so in the moment. Mm-hmm. Everything sounds like a good idea. Right. Everything sounds like a good idea. And then you do it mm-hmm. and you regret it for however long you think about it. I had a lot of bad impulse decisions whenever I was a, a young kid. It got me in trouble a lot, but thankfully everyone still seemed to like me and I had a lot of friends. Yeah. Despite all of that, I learned how to deal with it. I did take medicine to help because at at that age, there's not really much else you can do. Um, I had special counseling, but yeah, I got over it. I'm living with it now, even as an adult, um, still struggling. But it's manageable. It's definitely manageable. I still take some medicine, but, you know, it's what you have to do. So what was it like being so young and being on medication? Well, it's it's difficult to, you know, remember take it all the time. There's also a, a stigma that comes with it. Right. You're that kid that has to have this medicine in order to act right. And if you don't, then everyone knows you didn't take it. So... It, it was it was kind of some bad uh, publicity for me, mm-hmm. but other than that, I still lived a pretty normal, pretty normal life. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any siblings? <laughs> yes, yes. I have a eighteen turning nineteen year old this year sister. She is applying to colleges. Super exciting time. She's brilliant. She's going to do great things. I just know it. And uh, she can do whatever she wants to do. And other than that, I had a family dog named JJ, or have, not had. She's still here. But um, we had her since I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then we had a cat in 2018 or 17. It was one of those years we uh, decided to get a cat. And his name was Buddy. So technically, I had three siblings. <laughs> That's cute. That's really cute. So what was it like growing up in such a small town? It's very different. It is 
It, it's strange because everywhere you go, you're going to meet somebody mm -hmm. um, that you somehow know, you know, a distant relative or somebody that knows your family. And it's a little weird that everyone knows each other, but it's also comforting at the same time. Right. Life is a lot slower in a small mm -hmm. town. You can really um, relax more. There's less to do, of course, but I live, I grew up in a very beautiful area and there was a lot of outdoor things to do that mm -hmm. would, you know, hold you over. So I moved to our small town when I was 16 and I, I think it's so crazy that you can walk into a grocery store and it's comforting and embarrassing at the same time that you know everyone's business. It's like you didn't ask to know everyone's business, but now all of a sudden, you know, Sally Sue down the street is getting a divorce and you know exactly why and exactly how and who's involved and how they were involved. But you could also see your teacher from second grade that practically raised you or it, it it's very wild, but comforting at the same time that you can walk in and just about anywhere in this small town and be like, oh, I know everyone. Someone can help me or someone knows the answer or everyone knows what happened to me last week. I just think that's so wild. And with all the drama, wouldn't you agree that living in a small town is kind of like always being in high school? Yeah. Everyone, yep. everyone talks about each other. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know, it just has the same kind of energy to me. For I mean, for sure, you're it's you're going through the same thing with the same people multiple different times in multiple different ways. Like you're never going to get out of that. Mm -hmm. So that's just wild. But how was your middle school and high school experience? So middle school was a little bit of a turning point for me. I started to you know get a little bit older, mm -hmm. mature a little bit more. I was. I was well-liked. I wasn't really in um, a clique like everyone else was, but I was friends with a lot of different people. So um, I had some kind of friends just about all across the school. It was it was good. High school was actually, I'd probably say high school was pretty good for me. Um, I was still, you know, well-liked, but it was a smaller school, so we all knew each other. Mm -hmm. And it was a nice feeling to have such a big, you know, group around me that we're all going through the same thing. Um, but it's still small enough to where we can kind of act like a family. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because my high school, I went to an early college. And we only had 50 people in our class. Right. So we really got to know each other. But and, it was nice. And early college is when you graduate with a degree, right? Yeah, so you're duly enrolled in high school and in um, the local community college. So I was able to finish high school and then uh, graduate with two associate's degrees after just five years instead of uh, it would normally be six. I think to do that. And the associate's degree is actually free as well. So that was a big, um, big reason why I did it. That's insane, and so many people have different opinions about that because, yes, you're getting it done quicker, but on the other side of it, people think that it's taking away from your high school experience. Yeah, which it really didn't for me. No. 
I still got to do all the normal things. Like we had right. sports. <laughs> you had two proms. Played sports. We had proms. We had socials. Mm -hmm. We had field trips. We went on big trips as well, like to New York City and stuff like that. So I still felt like I had a high school experience, but I know that's uh, right. something people think about when they think of early college. I think that's cool that you went to New York. Yeah, twice. That's insane. Yeah, with the school. Like really... as a high school field trip. Yeah. In middle school, my field trip was going to see the Hunger Game. So <laughs> there's that for you. W was that at your big Raleigh middle school? Mm -hmm. Yep. And see, at our middle school, we went to like Washington, D.C. and Disney and all that stuff. We did not do that. So, like, where are the priorities? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe small town, small budget, small school, small budget. I don't know. I mean, everyone had to pay their way, but we, still, we just did it. We had too many kids for that. My school was, like, absolutely not. True. I didn't think about that. That makes a lot of sense. It's probably yeah, really it's probably difficult fine. to coordinate something when you have 600 people in one class. So, when I met you, we were both 18, and you... We're still in high school because you had, you went for five years, right? Yeah. So talk to me about, we met, it's 2018. We met around mm, October. October. Yeah. yeah. I started working at Cracker Barrel in October. Mm -hmm. So take me through the year of 2018 all the way up until October. So 2018 was a really good year for me, and it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. This is when I really started to get out more. Um, I spent a lot of time with my friends in the summer. I was also working basically full-time at this point. Right. I was, uh, what, I'd been at Cocker Barrel for two years. Uh, well, it, it would have been two years in October, so... I'd been there for, you know, a year and a half or so. So I worked a lot. School was still taking up a lot of time, but it was starting to take up less time. Let's see. Did we go on a trip that year? Me and my family? Like a summer trip? Probably did, but... I... No, no, no. Okay, that's, I was thinking of 2019. I but, think you just went to the beach. Yeah, I think it was just the beach. 2019, we went on some more, uh, more trips, but... I remember you went to the beach because I stopped your Instagram and I was like, that's such a hot picture. <laughs> I just re I remember summer 2018 being one of mm -hmm. one of the better summers. Did you have a curfew? This was when the curfew was getting more relaxed. It was almost like as long as I talked to my parents about what I was doing and gave them mm -hmm. updates, I could start going home kind of whenever I needed to. Right. I would never stay out too late anyways because what do you want to do? out that late back home mm -hmm. it's not really that much to do so it never really was a problem right but yeah i didn't still kind of have a curfew but i had it so my year up until meeting you it was actually a really relaxed and chilled year i was working part-time trying to work full-time i spent a lot of time at home i spent a lot of time at home just I remember I would wake up, clean my room, organize my room, and I remember I would just sit and journal if I didn't have to work. I just spent a lot of time, 2018, self-reflecting and self, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like really trying to understand myself and really 
grow into the person that I was supposed to be. And I think that's what set me up to be so ready and open for a relationship because I wasn't looking for one. Yeah, I've always said that too. I wasn't looking for anybody when we met. But I, I think those are the best relationships. They're more organic. Mm-hmm. We just found each other and started, you know, to want to start dating. So so I I remember I applied to Cracker Barrel and I got a call and I got an email. I went in for the interview and I went in during the day. And there were a lot of older people who worked at the store. And I'm talking like 40s and up. So I didn't see anyone my age. I didn't think about anyone my age because I wasn't used to working with people my age. So I started working there maybe a couple days, day shift. And, you know, like I said, I worked with a lot of older people. So I remember it was a Friday night and I went in at five and it hadn't picked up yet. Like dinner rush hadn't started. And I remember just standing by the door, greeting the customers, whatever. And I remember you walked in, and I will never, ever, ever forget this. For some reason, you had walked in, and like out of a movie scene, the gust of wind just made like your scarf fly up a little bit, and like the door was closing slowly, and you were rushing because you were late, so you were looking around the Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry thinking about this. You were looking around the room all frantic and I just remember your peacoat and a scarf and you had your hair swooped up freshly done and I remember standing there being like oh my god like is this person real like is this an actual human being I have never seen anyone look like that I was like is this a joke like is this is this a movie I felt like I was standing in a movie because I had been so taken away at how you looked. And I just could not. I was like, there's no way. And so you walked past me, didn't look at me. I was probably like pooping my pants at the time. And I remember I went to a coworker and I was like, who is that? Who is that man? I have to know. Because, you know, I thought you were, you were just so cute. I was like, there's no way he's the same age as me. So... You know, one of my favorite co-workers, her name was Amy, and she goes, oh, that's Mr. GQ. And I was like, who? Who? She goes, you know, I call him GQ, like GQ magazine, because he always looks like he's fresh out of a magazine. I was like, how old is he? And she's like, oh, he just turned 18. I was like, that man is going to be my husband. (laughs) That is so funny every time you tell it. (laughs) And just... Maybe a little exaggeration of how I look, but you know. No, you you take pride in how you look. Well, yes, but very well dressed. I don't know about movie star. My opinion. (laughs) My opinion. And I I appreciate your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that night? Yes. Do you remember meeting me for the first time? Yeah. I I don't I remember seeing you. I don't remember the interaction at the beginning of the shift. Right. But at the end, because I was late. I was, wasn't thinking about anything. I was just going straight to the, straight to clock in and then take it from there. But I remember, like, the first time that I went to buy candy at your register or something. 
<laughs> what was your first impression? You just had the biggest smile. Like, you just brightened up the room. You really did. And he it, thinks I'm... Yeah. It was, it was very refreshing. Plus, um, you had this really... Um, I always talk about the little blonde ponytail, but it really did something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it does. Oh, that's the word I would use. Well... You're funny. No. No, you were... You just lit up the room. Mm -hmm. You were very fun to talk to. Yeah, you always smiled at me. I was always having a good day. A big smile. Like, no one could ever ruin my day at work. It was just... I I actually never really had a bad customer experience there. Not at Cracker Barrel. Most people that go to Cracker Barrel are pretty late. Yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do? Them are happy. You're going to complain about your food? Okay, it's free. Bye. Like... There's, there's yeah, not... we were we were very accommodating if you like your food. Yeah, there's there's not much that didn't get resolved, but that was that was pretty interesting experience if you ask me. Just how we met, so I don't want to say the word organically, but we really did. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so like starstruck by you that I avoided you at all cost, like. When I would go in to the kitchen to get something to drink, if I saw you, I could not breathe, couldn't move. I was all sweaty. I ran away. Like, I I basically hid from you because I liked you so much. I can't believe that, though. Like, I feel like I'm an approachable guy. Eh. So come talk to me. No. Maybe not have started earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, because... My thing was growing up, like if I had a crush on someone, ignored them completely, didn't know them, couldn't talk to them. It was just for some reason having a crush was so embarrassing, and I don't know why. But we wouldn't have even started dating if you didn't text me first. So that is true. So flash forward, we're working together. Um, we may have smiled here and there, didn't really speak. I don't think we actually spoke until later but this is now going into what october november december somewhere in there and my mom wakes me up one day and she goes molly a big snowstorm is coming we have to go out and do yard work and mind you this woman woke me up at 8 a.m i don't wake up at 8 a.m i was 18 years old i did not wake up at 8 a.m so she drags me out of bed okay Get this, I'm wearing sweatpants, not just like cute sweatpants. I'm talking baggy, oversized, swallowing me whole sweatpants <laughs> with rain boots, okay? And my sweatpants were sticking out of my rain boots. And it was so cold that I put on a hoodie with an oversized jacket on top. And then I threw my hair in a messy bun. Like a top knot. Like I'm talking the top of my head, Cindy Lou Who type hairstyle. And she's like, come on, Molly, we have to go do yard work. And I was like, who? Because it's not me. Anyways, I'm out there with a rake. And I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know anything about yard work. So my mom's telling me, break this pile, break that pile, put put it to the side. So we're trying to get the leaves up for the snow. I don't know why. Uh, whatever. Mom just told me to do what I did, so I did it. 
And I remember I heard your door open next door. And so the screen door opened and I heard someone shuffling. So I happened to look over through the trees and I saw your backpack first and then I saw your hair. I was like, oh my God, that person's kind of cute. And then I saw the same scarf. I was like, oh my God, no way, no way. So I start freaking out. I'm like hyperventilating. And again, like a scene out of a movie. I jump in the bushes. Jump in the bushes because there was no way you were about to turn around and see me wearing what I was wearing. So my mom has the leaf blower on. She has no idea why I jump in the bushes. But I'm crouched down hiding. Watch, I watch you, you know, leave your front door, get in your car, reverse, go to school, whatever. And my mom is screaming at me. She's like, Molly, Molly Ann, what are you doing in the bushes? Get out those bushes and come help me. You know, typical mom. I was like, that's JP. She was like, what? Now, we're screaming over the leaf blower. I was like, that's JP, the guy I like at work. And she goes, okay, well, get out of the bushes. I was like, no, um, no. So, whatever. We finish the yard work. I go inside. I immediately text our mutual friend. And I was like, what kind of car does JP drive? And do you know where he lives? And he was like, I think he drives a silver car. Um, he he lives somewhere in Swan Creek. I was like, OMG, I think he's my neighbor. But I don't want to message him if he's not my neighbor. So what did I do? I slid in the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is <laughs> a little bit different than that. I slid in your DMs. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, to hit on me. No, but I slid in your DM. Yeah, yeah, she did. What did you think when you saw my name pop up? I was like, is that the girl from work? That's so funny. So. I mean, I actually, I mean, I knew it was you. Right. So I messaged you and I said, hey, I think we're neighbors. And I remember waiting forever for you to respond. <laughs> and I think you said... What did you say? You were like, oh, wait, really? That's so cool. Where do you live? Mm -hmm. Why did you ask me where I lived if I said I think we're neighbors? Because when you're from a small town, a neighbor is basically anyone that lives within like two streets of you. That's true. You could have lived on the street behind me and still said we're neighbors. That's true. That is true. You're right. Yeah. Because I didn't say, oh, I think I live next door to you. I just said I think we're neighbors. Yeah. So, you had ended up telling me that you didn't use Instagram and that you used Snapchat. So, you gave me your Snapchat and we started messaging on there. And I remember one night, I don't know if you were actually having a debate with your dad or if you were just trying to be. We were. We actually were. Okay. Okay. So, you texted me and said, hey, my dad and I are trying to figure out which house is yours. I was like, oh my God, this is my moment. So I was being super flirty and cute. And I was like, okay, why don't I just meet you outside? I remember my legs were shaking. 
And for some reason, you had a cat in your hands. I don't know whose cat it was because it wasn't yours. It is ours now, but... You think that was butternut? It is butternut. You think that's butternut? It only is. Okay. Well... Exactly like... I guess it was butternut. <laughs> Side note, when did you meet butternut? Um, I met her for the first time around that night. Yes, but now that Butternut technically lives with your parents. Yeah. Anyways, this is such a random side note. Yeah, we're going on a tangent, but this is now my family's cat. So but I don't the, know if that's a coincidence. At the time, it was like a neighborhood cat, right? Um, But now knowing you, that's a very you thing to do is pick up a random cat. <laughs> so we, I don't know if that's good or bad. We talked for a little bit outside the house, and then we said our goodbyes. And I don't know the time frame of the very first night you asked me to hang out. Do you remember that? I think it was in December. I think it was in December. But not much time had gone in between. Because we were talking every day on Snapchat. We would stay up until 3 a.m. Messaging each other just about music and life and shopping and brands and artists and... We never ran out of things to talk about. I don't remember what we talked about. I know it was music and shoes and cities, but I don't remember specific details. It's, it's it's things you do when you're, you know, in love. Yeah. You just want to talk to each other the whole time. And I know my parents are going to hear this and think, 3 a.m.? What do you mean 3 a.m.? Yes, I'm sorry. We did talk till 3 a.m. sometimes. <laughs> But it was on the days that you didn't have class or you had a late class. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. Um, And I'm pretty sure you were on break at this time. Yeah, I think this was after the finals. Disperse. I would want to say, I think it was before Christmas, right? Yep, it was right before Christmas. You, I guess I should say, we both worked this night. I got off early. And we were still messaging. And then you ended up closing that night. And you texted me at nine fifteen, nine thirty. Yeah, it was past and one. this is the most country southern small town thing you could ask someone. But it was like you said, "Hey, do you want to come eat with us at Cracker Barrel, and then go to Walmart?" <laughs> I love how going to Walmart was like something to do. You know, when there's nothing to do, just go to Walmart just to walk around and when it- shop. At the time, and it might still be the biggest retail location in this small, small town, but it was the only place open at that time, and it was pretty much the only thing you could do. So, I remember I had a flat tire, and I couldn't drive my car, and I was just like, I'm so embarrassed to tell him my tire is flat, so I messaged you, and I was like, oh, I would love to go, but I can't drive right now. And I thought it was really, really sweet that you offered to come pick me up. You're like, I'll come pick you up, bring you back here, we can eat, then we'll go to Walmart, and I'll bring you back home. And I started just getting butterflies because I was like, I was like, wait, he actually wants to hang out with me. Like, he's not just saying, oh, okay, another time. Because, you know, most guys were just like, oh, okay, cool. So I was really impressed that you offered to come pick me up. And then... I was also really impressed that you knocked on the door and you came inside to meet my mom. And I didn't even ask you to. 
course, I had to meet them all. I, I thought that was so sweet and so respectful. The earlier, okay, anyone listening that might be single, the earlier you meet the parents, the better. I feel like, because you really want them to get to learn who you are early on. Right. Get to know you, get to love you, stuff like that. So. And it's exciting getting to know everyone at once. Yeah. You know, like you get invited to things more freely and openly. And it's just, it's really nice. Yeah. I mean, you went on a trip with my family after like, what, just one year of dating? So you know, was you on that? Our timeline is so foggy. I feel like it is a little bit. It's just all over the place, really. But I remember that night you took the long way home, and I was like, mm, "Does he like me, or am I delusional?" You were not delusional. I I thought that was a hint. You taking thought, the long way home. Taking the long way home. I don't know, like there were lots of hints, but I didn't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. Because. I don't know if I said this, but I had, I've had never dated anyone, never held hands with another guy, never hugged another guy, never kissed another guy. Like, it was just not my thing. So when you were hinting, I was like, I'm kind of picking up on the hints, but I'm going to ignore them in case I'm wrong. So... I definitely noticed that, you know, you took the long way home while we were hanging out. You were talking about hanging out again, which is a very big sign that you wanted to see me again. So I was taking all this in to account, but I was also like, I'm insecure. I don't think he really likes me. I thought paying for your food was telltale sign. That was another thing. This guy... Picked up my ticket to pay. Went. I don't. You said you were going to go like to the bathroom or to the kitchen. You said you had to do something. And then when we get up to go pay, you're like, oh, it's already taken care of. So I did that thing. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that. I think I freaked out. Over you paying for my meal, like I want to say for five minutes. Like I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, you did not do that. Like, why did you do that? You didn't have to. I can't believe you did that. You guys let him pay for my food. It was just, I was shocked. I was really shocked. I had never experienced any, I had just never experienced a guy being so polite and kind. Well, that's just what you do, right? You know, you take a girl out to eat, you buy her food. That's not what all guys do, though. Well, so it was hell, my body. So, I'm very appreciative. Mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> I know your parents are very proud. So that was December. We started dating January 11th. And we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Yep. How does that make you feel? You know, it snuck up on me this year. Yeah. But looking back, it's hard to even remember, honestly, what it was like without you. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a very good and long five years so i can't wait for the rest of it how was it being in such a serious relationship at 18 it's people don't really take you seriously mm -hmm. they think you don't really know what you're talking about and they'll go along with it right right but 
when you tell your parents that you're going to propose mm-hmm. at what I was, I was 20, okay. 20 years old. Then it really started getting real for them. Right. But no one has ever like stopped me or didn't support me mm-hmm. through it. They just kind of were iffy at first of getting right. like so serious at such a young age. I think it, I think it really scared our parents because, you know, on my mom's side, I'm her baby. I had never been on a date, never really talked about boys unless it was Harry Styles or Justin Bieber. So my mom's like, okay, she just met this guy in December. They start dating in January and February rolls around and we're exchanging I love yous on Valentine's Day. I think that was very terrifying. I remember telling my mom, I was like, I love him. I told him I loved him. And she was like, but do you know what love is? And I was like, of course I know what love is. And I just remember standing there thinking, why do people ask young people what love is? When we, at birth, we know what love is. Yeah. You know, we don't know how to explain it, but we we know what it is. You know what it feels like. And especially if you've ever had what you thought was love before. Right. But isn't it truly? Like, you know exactly what it feels like as soon as it happens. So I, I, I'm i a true believer in, mm-hmm. like, the whole true love idea. Right. Because I feel like you can only feel that way about one person. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. And my mom was super protective at the time. But I think once I sat down and really explain, explained to her, like, how much I loved you and why I loved you no one really ever questioned it after and it helped that our families really liked each other Mm -hmm. well what I mean is like your family liked me my family likes you yeah so no one ever really complained about it no one no one ever stopped me and was like do you understand what you're doing Mm -hmm. they kind of just let us do our thing and we were adults and it worked out they did encourage us to wait to talk about our future. Like, we were always talking about our future. We were always planning. Yes. We were always jumping into what's next, what's next, what's next. But I think when we met, we knew we wanted a future together. We knew we wanted to be together. We knew that we weren't going to break up. So, I think we just we just had to show people. At the end of the day, I mean, you just have to prove that you do love someone. and But at the same time, you really don't have to prove anything to anybody because it's our relationship. It's always been a relationship, and it's always going to be our relationship. So people just had to trust the process. Yeah. and We were really young. And I've always said, if you if you know in your heart, that you really do love that person, why wait mm-hmm. to marry them? Mm-hmm. I can see for, like, different reasons, right? Like, like if we had met each other in school mm-hmm. and we wanted to get married, like, getting married during school is really difficult to do and mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. But, I mean, if we were going to move to a different state together, we might as well be married. Yeah. Like, we are making that big of a commitment. Let's Let's go get married. And, and I knew I wouldn't marry you for a long time, so. And you have been on such a strong educational path. Like, you knew, how old did you, how old when you knew you wanted to be an eye doctor? 
earliest I can remember is 13. 13. Okay. So, you know, when I met you, that's the first thing you told me is, I want to be an eye doctor. I'm going to optometry school. I was like, okay, cool. What is that? I was like, I had no idea what it was. But, and I think because you were so passionate and so strong-willed in that, that your parents were always there to remind you, okay, hey, this is your dream. Just make sure that you're prioritizing your dream. So education always came first. So we knew that you were going to NC State and we knew you were going to optometry school and that came first first and foremost but we also had to prioritize our relationship so everything just fell into place kind of perfectly you know we started dating when you were on your fifth year of high school and then you went to nc state for two years you unfortunately went to college during COVID. Yeah. And that was really hard because we were long distance for nine months on and off because, you know, with COVID, they sent you home, you went back, then you came home on the weekends to work. So that was really hard. Um, do you have anything you want to share about going to NC State and being in college? During COVID? Well, COVID was really good for us, specifically. Because I got to move home, and you and I got to spend a lot more time together. I felt like that was a crucial point in our relationship, too, because we were a year and a half, two years into it by this point. Right. And if we had to spend so much time apart, who knows what could have happened. Like, I don't think we would have broken up, mm-hmm. but our relationship got a lot stronger because I was at home. Right. Able to be with you. We had a new dog. You got River um, beginning of 2020. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was very difficult doing all the schooling at home. Right. And I got a little bit depressed. I don't don't know, but I know COVID depression was a thing for a lot of people. Just being inside all the time, not being able to go do stuff. Right. I I thought. COVID was probably the hardest thing most people have ever had to go through. And, you know, quarantine, a lot of people thrived during quarantine because they're homebodies. But a lot of people, a lot of people didn't make it out of quarantine. And for me, that hits home really personally, just with struggling with depression and you know, looking back, quarantine was different for us because it really solidified our relationship and we had such a solid foundation to really build that on. You know, we got through, we just spent a lot of time getting to know each other and getting to know how each other worked. It's kind of like we were living together, but not because we were next door neighbors. So we did spend a lot of time together, but It's just insane how, you know, a lot of couples broke up during COVID and a lot of people just, it's just a hard time to talk about. It's really hard to talk about. It is. It impacted everybody. But. Everybody. It's just, that was a crazy time for everyone. And 
I mean, how does the whole world just stop for a year, pretty much? I don't know. I still, I still don't have words when it comes to talking about COVID, but because, you know, people close to, people really close to me lost people that they loved, and, you know, it's just, it's hard. It's hard because some people became millionaires off COVID, and then some people lost everything off COVID. Exactly. And that's just something that, you know, we survive together and we get through it together, but it's something we'll never forget. But nope. we're here and we're grateful and we're grateful that we got to spend that time together. There were, there, uh, there were good that came out of it. Yeah. You know, we got engaged. The, we did get engaged. The middle of it, pretty much. We got engaged December of 2020. Elmore Estate. Which, kudos to you, because I didn't think that was going to happen. Well, that's part of the surprise. I thought we were just going on a double date. And I had always wanted to go to the Biltmore house during Christmas. Thank you for listening to me and really taking what I wanted and taking what I had envisioned and bringing it to life because I think that was really special. But it was cold. It was cold that day. It was probably upper 30s, pretty cold, a little windy. And, you know, days like that, when you have to drive two and a half hours and you're meeting other people there, it, there's a lot of walking around. We were going to take photos. It was a busy, busy time of year. Getting engaged was not something I had thought about. And you didn't make any hints. You did not hint to anything. No one around me hinted. No one. I didn't let them. Even my own mother was like, she was playing it off so well that she like made me second guess that you were going to propose. She was like, oh, you're so young. You're like, you don't need to be thinking about it. Let him finish school, blah, blah, blah. I was like, why is no one listening to me? Like, I just want to talk about marrying this man. Your mom kept turning you the opposite direction. She's like, no, don't do that right now, you know. Yeah, she was like, what makes you think he's going to propose? And I was like, okay, next. No, but she she played it off really well. You did, your parents, I mean, everyone around us. No one gave me any sort of hint at all. I knew you had bought the ring. I knew that. And I knew that it was coming. I knew that it was coming up. I just didn't know when or how. And I didn't think at the Biltmore house, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't know that you were like a public proposal kind of man. Did I, you? Well, for something like that, you definitely want to step out of your comfort zone a little bit to make mm -hmm. it special. I really wanted to do it. I thought it would be awesome, especially at Christmas time. Um, we did it right after sunset. The sky was pretty. Mm -hmm. The house had been lit up now. Those feelings, it makes you so anxious because it feels like your whole, doesn't feel like you know your whole world's about to change. Right. I was 
shaking when I was um, just waiting for the moment to do it. And um, we had our friends, uh, Todd and Caitlin there, and I told him to uh, take a picture of us. Mm-hmm. And then um, have a picture of us looking at the the house. Was that right, too? Or... No, we didn't. We didn't take a picture of us looking at the house. Oh, well. We just took a picture and then you just turned around and grabbed my hand. Yeah. And I'll tell the story about the, the, the people that were nearby. Oh, my goodness. So we're taking pictures and it's really cold. I'm shaking. I assumed you were shaking because of how cold it was, but you were just, you know, about to change your life. So you were nervous. And I remember being like, okay, I'm smiling now. It's cold. Can we go? And you were like, just, just a few more pictures. And I was like, okay, but can we go? Like I'm calling, you know, just me being me. And you grabbed my hands and I don't know, you were just, you were so nervous that the words were struggling to come out. You were shaking. You were trying not to cry. And then you got down on one knee. And I kid you not, I don't remember anything you said to me. There's like 10 to 15 seconds of my life that I don't remember. And it's that. And I... I don't remember anything, and apparently there were a lot of people around, but I don't remember that either. All I remember is there were two boys next to us, and they looked like they were in high school. And after you, I said yes, and you put the ring on, you stood up, and we hugged, and we were both crying. And I remember the older brother yanked the little brother because he was behind you, I remember he grabbed his jacket and yanked him out of the way. And he was like, bro, are you stupid? Like, you're going to ruin everything. And that's all I could hear. Like, my ears were like, I don't know, my heart was pounding. My ears were ringing. I don't remember that that many people were around. And I, I don't even remember our friends being in the background. Like, it was just you and me. And I remember crying so hard I couldn't let go of you. And that's just like those. It's like one of those outer body experiences. It is. It just didn't feel real. It is. It feels like a dream for yeah, like five minutes. Yeah. And then it comes back. And I remember I could not stop shaking. Like I was so excited and so in shock that I would look at the ring and my hand would just shake. I know, when we got back in the car, all we would talk about was just, like, looking at the ring. It was horrifying. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I have a lab-created moissanite stone. And I prefer moissanite over diamond because diamond has a yellow tone to it. And moissanite has cooler tones. So, you know, to the eye, it's a little more sparkly. And a little more shiny. And I remember we it was dark. We were in the car. We were walking back to the car. It was late. And I was like, oh my gosh, the ring is sparkling in the dark. And I couldn't get over it. And I actually have pictures on my phone of the flash and like without flash and sparkling. 
it's it sparkles just like that to this day. So I'm very happy. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. Because I, I had tricked her into thinking that I was going to propose in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's next summer. So she wasn't even thinking about it at all. And all day, she kept trying to lean her head on my chest. But under my big puffy jacket, <laughs> it had a chest pocket on the inside. And that's where I kept the ring box. So I kept having to push her off of me. Mm-hmm. The whole day, we were walking around Biltmore and hoped that she didn't notice or didn't get upset. Oh, no. I did not notice. I thought you had a nasty attitude. Yes. I was like, I was like what is wrong with you? Like, what's going on? Because, you know, you're very lovey. You're very touchy. You always want to hold my hand. You always, like, I have to be next to you or, like, touching you at all times. You're just, you know, you're very affectionate. So I thought that was very abnormal i was like what is going on why is he being so standoffish you know but it all worked out we're here yes so wedding planning you were very into the wedding planning you were not like most guys who were like oh just tell me what to wear and what time to be there you had a lot of say in our wedding planning actually there were things I had opinions on. There weren't really anything that I had to have. Right. But there were things that I did want to have input on because I mm-hmm. I thought it was an I thought they were important and I liked the way that they, um everything looked. Mm-hmm. But you and your mom really did um a lot of the work and I appreciate you too for all that you did. And you know the whole team yeah that planned our wedding. I very much have to give, I have to give credit to my mom and my aunt and my sister because I knew I wanted to get married. I knew that I wanted, you know, like a traditional wedding. I didn't want a big wedding. I didn't want a small wedding. I just wanted like a decent sized wedding. But when it comes to making a decision, picking something organizing something setting it up start to finish that's not my thing that is not my thing and when you try to make it my thing I will shut you down I'll probably cuss you out and tell you to go so far away from me because that stresses me out like it's so overwhelming and overstimulating I don't want to deal with it I can't I can't be bothered with it so my lovely mother took over that's her thing organizing planning setting it up start to finish every detail to a t that is my mother so i knew that if i was like okay take it and run with it you know what i like you know what i don't like my mom would come to me and say a or b i'll be like okay a okay b i can't do a b c d e f g no a or b one or two that's it and my mom knew that and she understood that and it was perfect you know would I go back and spend that much money on a wedding probably not no looking back now as we have matured since then I'd be like okay are we gonna elope and then buy a house that's what we could have done we could have done I don't regret I do not regret our wedding at all but financially, 
weddings are just they're so expensive so expensive and you know everyone's budget looks different everyone's wedding looks different so any advice to those of you who are engaged or wedding planning if you will um go with your gut go with what feels right to you and that's it and don't listen to anyone else because their opinions don't matter exactly it's your day so we had a we had a lovely wedding yes. now our honeymoon i thought we would end this podcast episode with talking about our honeymoon did you enjoy our honeymoon i did it was super memorable sounds <laughs> We we did kind of plan it really smart because we'll give a little backstory. So John Patrick, we talked about John Patrick going to optometry school, right? So you applied to Ohio and Florida. Pikeville. And Pikeville. So Kentucky. Ohio, Florida, Kentucky. Help me out here. I'm blanking. Well, did we you got accepted to Florida, right? So I got accepted to Pike or to Kentucky first, mm-hmm. and then I got accepted to Florida. And Florida, well, and then um, Ohio wanted to give me an interview, but Florida only gave me uh, so much time to secure my spot. So I decided to go with Florida, and we planned our honeymoon around kind of getting to know the area a little bit better. Right. Yeah, so we went on a cruise that left out of the Miami port. Right, so we were definitely, we were doing this on a budget. Yeah. And we wanted to knock out two things at once. So a cruise was a really great budget-friendly honeymoon. And having the port in Miami, we were like, okay, the school is in Davie, right outside Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale is right outside Miami, so we'll go on our cruise, then we'll book, did we book an Airbnb? Yeah, um, a Verbo. Verbo. So cruise, and then Verbo. So we stay in Fort Lauderdale. But let's talk about the cruise first, because the cruise was so exciting. So our wedding was on a Saturday. Honeymoon was on a Sunday. Our wedding ended, we probably left the venue around 10, 10.30. And your uncle flew in from Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, he was living in Hawaii. So he was like, oh, I'm going to the airport because we lived an hour from the airport. So he woke us up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Yep, he he picked us up at 3 a.m. in the rental. We booked it to the airport. We got no sleep. No. We got absolutely zero sleep. Maybe two hours. Maybe two hours. So we go to the airport. We get through security. We're on the plane. You know, you're taking a nap. I'm looking out the window. So excited. So giddy. We get to Miami. What time? It was like 9 a.m. Yeah, it was 9 a.m. We could not check into our hotel until 4 or 4. 3 or 4. So we just spent the whole Sunday in Miami getting ready for a cruise. And I'm pretty sure we saw a dead man on the sidewalk. Yeah, you never really know in Miami. You never know in Miami, but he had fallen out of his wheelchair 
like flat on his face in a position that just did not look comfortable but you know someone was trying to help him so we just kept minding our business and we were it was a little bit of a culture shock so we were just like "Mm, keep walking keep your head down don't talk to anyone kind of thing our cruise was from monday to friday yes monday to friday we went where did we go we went to uh, i can't remember (laughs) perfect day at coco Cay. right it's royal royal caribbean's private island and then we went to nassau and we spent one or two days over the ocean one or two somewhere in there it was like a five-day cruise right so you know we got back to miami at 6 a.m well, well, the ship got there at 6 a.m., but you typically got off 8 or 9 a.m. Yeah. Because they, they told you when you could you get off. breakfast. Right. We had breakfast, packed, got off the ship. Then this is when adulting really started. Because on our honeymoon, like, the cruise pretty much, the cruise pretty much took care of itself. We stayed on the ship. We didn't really have to go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't have responsibilities. Yeah. So, we were pretty much, I guess, you know, kind of safe on the cruise. But when we got in Miami, we got off the ship. We wanted to save money because I'm such a... I was going to say something, but I can't think of it. I'm such a person who loves to save money. Whatever. We thought we would save money from Ubering by walking... How many miles? So we walked at least two and a half miles from the Port of Miami mm-hmm. all the way to the Freedom Tower. Right. And the Freedom Tower is where there was a free metro, mm-hmm. like monorail. Right. And you could take this monorail metro to the um the regular train. It's not the Bright Line, mm-hmm. but it's like a regular train that goes around Miami. And we took, so we walked two and a half miles, took the free monorail, <laughs> then spent $10 for a day pass on the the bigger train. Right. And it took us to the to the airport. So how did we see how much an Uber would have been? And we I have to think, kill time anyway. I think the Uber was anywhere from like 25 to 30 minutes. I mean, $25 to $30. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and we had to kill time. Yeah. Because we couldn't pick up our rental car until a certain time. Right. So we got our exercise. We got to walk over the bridge Mm -hmm. between downtown Miami and the port. That was really cool. That was really beautiful. But also when we got off that little tram type thing, we had to walk through the whole entire airport. Yeah. And we waited forever to get our rental car that was such a long process it was so annoying but then we got in our rental car and i was like okay th- here we are this is where we're gonna be living for the next where are we four, 45 years 45 years that moment like driving around in a city that you're going to be living in felt so insane Fort lauderdale now mm-hmm. feels so different to me than it felt them yes it felt it just it felt like we were in like another country yeah and now we're so used to it that i don't even blink an eye about the traffic and driving and 
oh my gosh, everything's so crazy. No, it, it's wild living here. But so we went out to dinner that night. And then we stayed at the cutest little Verbo. Verbo is like Airbnb, if you aren't familiar with it. And it was a studio. It had a bathroom. A bedroom, obviously. And a little tiny kitchen with a little tiny table. And like a little ironing board. It was really cute. But it was it was one room with a bathroom. And the bathroom door was facing the front door so we get settled in I think we had both taken a shower maybe and we settled with law and order SVU because that's what I was watching at the time I was really obsessed with it I still am I remember I don't remember falling asleep because I typically don't watch tv to fall asleep to so my chest is tightening up talking about this because I will never ever forget it and it makes me want to cry sometimes because I can I think I'm tearing up because I cannot explain to you how terrifying this was for me but I woke up with the tv blaring the blanket was all messed up the front door to the studio was wide open. And I remember I sat up in bed and just stared outside and it was pitch black. It was so dark and my heart started racing. Obviously, you were not next to me. I get up. I'm saying your name multiple times. I hear nothing. I go in the bathroom. You're not in the bathroom. I see your phone, wallet, the rental car, keys, your shoes. Everything was exactly where you had left it. I have to take a breath because I'm shaking and my heart is racing talking about this. And I was like, okay, I don't know. Maybe he's just outside. I don't know. I thought you were outside. I'm walking around. And this was like a neighborhood. Like this is some this is a property that someone owned and they were renting out. So people were next to us, behind us, whatever. So I look outside, you know, you're not on the sidewalk, you're not in the back patio area. You're just nowhere to be found. And I grab my phone and I don't remember okay, I do remember who I called first. I called my best friend Lauren first. Her phone didn't pick up. Her friend Taylor picked up and he woke up Lauren. I called Lauren freaking out. You know, she was talking to me and she was like, she was like, okay, you need to call 911. I was like, I can't call 911. I'm not calling 911. What do I say? What do I do? I lost my husband. So I hang up with her. I called your best friend Todd. I Todd's also encouraging me to call the police. I'm freaking out to Todd. I was like, I can't tell his parents. I don't know where he is. We are in the middle of Fort Lauderdale. I don't know anyone. I don't know any resources. And he's like, you have to call 911 and you have to call his parents. He was like, call me back when you do. I was like, okay, cool. I call 911. 
I was shaking and panicking. I was crying. Like, I, my words were not coming out straight. And I remember giving them your description and saying, he's in his underwear. Uh, I was like, yeah, uh, my husband is in his underwear. So they put your description out there. They sent two police officers. They were on their way. I call your parents. And I remember being like, uh, we went to bed. I woke up in the middle of the night. The front door was open. All of his stuff is here. I don't know where he is. And your dad, God loved this man because he was so calm and had the most calm voice. It is, it's just what I needed in that moment, you know? Yeah. He did, he did a really good job at so, um, knowing what to do. He he just was so calm. And I remember I had to hang up because I had to go to the bathroom because I had such an upset stomach. So here I am, not able to talk, not able to sit down. I had to keep going to the bathroom. I'm waiting for the police to show up. I call my friend Taylor, and she's like, mm, what's going on? Taylor went on Snapchat and saw your Bitmoji. And your Bitmoji was sleepwalking. I thought that was so funny. I still can't get over that. That was really funny to me. That's creepy. So <laughs> the police come, you know, they they make me talk through our night, where we went, what we did. And I was just like, I was like, there's no way he would leave me. He would not leave me. He wouldn't go anywhere without his shoes, phone, wallet, keys, We've never been here before, so there's there's nowhere he would go. There's nowhere he would walk. He would not do that to me. So my I'm automatically jumping to the worst thing ever. You know, did you go outside and then someone scooped you up? There was a pool in the backyard. So I ran to the pool and think, oh, my God, did he fall and hit his head? Like, I'm thinking the worst thing possible. I'm sobbing, and I'm so frustrated because I don't know where you are. I'm thinking... I just got married and I'll never see my husband again. We haven't even been married for two weeks. My whole life is about to fall apart. I remember, I remember, I think I was on the phone with Taylor and I told her, I cannot go home without him. I am not leaving this state without him. So, you know, the police were looking for you. I was sitting on the sidewalk Apparently, there were restaurants around us because people were walking. It's like 1 or it's like 2 a.m. And there were people like walking around. So I kept showing them your picture. I was like, have you seen this man? He's in his underwear. I just kind of get over the fact that you were in your underwear. I was like, oh, my God. What? Like, where is this man? Where is this man in his underwear? So, you know, I think at this point I had called your dad back. Because I told him, you know, the police left. They're looking for him. I'm just sitting here waiting. And your dad said, God love this man. I really do. He goes, where's his Apple Watch? And I was like, oh, he's wearing his Apple Watch. Because your dad's thing was, if he's wearing his Apple Watch, it'll show his location. So he's like, go grab his phone, look at his location, and see what it says. I was like, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Let me, let me, let me go get his phone. So I get your phone. I look, find my whatever. 
And it says you were like, it, it had my bubble and your bubble on top of each other. I was like, no, it's not working. It says he's right here. It says he's right here and he's not here. I don't know what to do. Um, so I'm on your, I'm on the phone with your dad and I have your phone in my hand and all of a sudden I hear a door slam and I turn around and I tell your parents, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I just heard, I just heard the door slam. Hold on, hold on. So I run back to the front door. I open the door and you're standing there in the bathroom, putting on your shorts and you were shaking and the look on your face was like a deer in the headlights. So what did you think when I opened that door? You know, I don't think I was thinking at all. I think that was just a pure rush of adrenaline. So from my perspective, mm -hmm. I sometimes when you're dreaming, you yeah. kind of hear, like, whenever your alarm's going off in your dream, mm -hmm. I could hear you pinging my watch in my dream and I wake up, and that little beeping noise won't go away. And then I figure out it's coming from my watch. Yeah. And I look around, and it looks a little weird at first. Mm -hmm. But then I see, like, clothes on the floor that are definitely not ours. And I just bolt. Like, I, I no thinking, just run. I probably should have been quiet and, like, gracefully got my way out of there. But I open that door, and I bolt and I realize where I'm at and how in the world do I fall asleep and wake up in another apartment and like this is a, this was literally the studio that was next door to ours I have no clue how that ever happened and plus who would just leave their door unlocked right at night how did I just get in that's that's the whole thing we can't figure out. No one knows. I didn't hear you get out of the bed. I didn't hear you open the door. How did they not hear you opening their door? You were 10 feet away from them. You were on their couch, passed out in your underwear. I you didn't wake them up. I think this one had a bedroom, though. Yes, it was, but, you know, but, still. but the couch from the bed was like 10, yeah. 10 feet. It was small. I'm... I'm I have so many questions yeah. that will never get answered. No. Because. Who knows? Who knows what happened? Who knows when I got up and left? Who knows how long I'd been over there? No. And I think the crazy part was you, you took me, you took me back there because the, um, I think the door was open or whatever, but you took me back and you were like, see, you're like, Molly, I was in this apartment and we're standing, we're standing in someone else's apartment. And. You're like, I was sleeping right here. And you were like, do you see that bra? Like, I remember seeing a bra on the floor. I was like, that's not mine. For sure. So we bolt out of there. And then we saw them turn their lights on. And they were standing in the kitchen. I was like, I'm mortified. So I call the police. I have to tell them that I found you. They're like, okay, we have to do a wellness check to make sure he's okay. So they come out. The wellness check. Quotations. Yeah. Like, are you are you doing okay buddy and i was like yeah and he's like okay go get some rest yeah it was literally nothing they just wanted to make sure you were okay that you were unharmed so i could not fall asleep that night i don't think either of us could fall asleep 
No, I tossed and turned the rest of the night. And we actually slept in the next day because it was so hard. Like, my heart going from, like, pure terror and panic and shock to just that relief and the fact that we were safe, you know, you were only missing for, what, two, three hours? Yeah. And those two to three hours were probably the worst of my life. Like, I... I don't think I've ever felt anything like that in my entire life. That was horrible. I can't imagine what you were going through. Well, I know I would be, I'd be going through it too. You just, you immediately, the worst, everything that you could think of comes to your mind. You know, and I grew up on crime shows. I grew up on crime documentaries. I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know. Like, I I was bound and determined. I was like, I'm not leaving the state of Florida without him. So the next night, we stayed in a hotel. And I remember we barricaded the door with our luggage yep. so that you couldn't leave. Yeah. And... I slept a lot better that night. <laughs> yes. We did. It was... It was insane. I there's There's no other words for it. You can't even describe it. I don't even know. I'll never forget that. And, you know, people love to hear that story because it's it, it's so scary, but also it's so funny at the same time. It's something you can really laugh at afterwards. Right. During the moment, it feels like your world's in. It's one of those stories that every time I tell it, everyone's reaction changes. Like, at first, they're so scared and terrified and worried and they're like, oh, my God, Molly, what did you do? And at the end, everyone's laughing so hard they're crying. Yeah, because nobody got hurt. No. Well, you were just a sick prank. <laughs> you just slept walk into someone else's apartment in your underwear. But what would have happened if my wife was dead, though? I don't know. I really have no idea. I would not. Because what would what would they have done if they had found you in your underwear? On their couch. Well, and also, what if they let me in? Like, who knows how I even got in there? I don't think anyone let you in their apartment yeah. in your underwear. Yes. But who leaves the door unlocked? I can't get past that. Especially here. So many questions. So many questions. But I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. You can fill in the blanks. Yep. You guys, you guys can tell us what you think happened. Um, so that concludes this episode. Mr. J.P. Holman, I really appreciate you being on this episode with me. Make sure you guys have the notifications turned on so you get notified every time we post an episode. Make sure you are following the Minor Crisis pod on Instagram. And we'll see you back here next week.